Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. This week, we will be airing our Good Friday and Easter messages, and we pray that you will be blessed as we have been in this special season. Here's Pastor Ryan. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, um, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and stay, and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things to her. This is the Lord's first appearance ever and i am so blessed that god gave mary magdalene that privilege of seeing him first it does my heart much good for as you know mary magdalene was a sinner she was known as a sinful woman she was possessed by seven demons by which jesus had cast it out and out of all the people he chose her to have this tremendous privilege of seeing him resurrected i want to hear her account in heaven she's the first one guys and she clung to him and we know that she loved him and it makes you think why her lord why her and there's a truth scripturally about love and a sinner's love for jesus christ that he who is forgiven much loves much mary magdalene loved the lord not just in word but by deed her actions proved that she loved the lord and i believe that jesus rewarded her for her love and i believe that god is still rewarding us for our love for him not in word only but in deed jesus said that if you love me keep my commandments she was filled with love and she was a sinner And God came to save sinners. And that's the reminder here in the resurrection story. That that's the God that we serve. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For you see your calling brethren. 
that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. How can Mary Magdalene glory? in anything but the grace of God. She knew what kind of woman she was. I want to be that kind of Christian that remembers what kind of man I used to be before I came to know Jesus Christ. I want to be that kind of Christian that is conscious of the reality that Jesus Christ has saved me from a life of sin and death and hopelessness. I want to be the kind of Christian that shows his love for Jesus Christ in action and not just in word. The resurrection reminds us about that. That I'll do anything for you, Lord. Anything. Like Mary of Bethany, Lazarus' sister, Martha's sister. She too cleaned his, his, his feet with her hair and, and anointed him with, with perfume. We see the love in the scriptures. We're not blinded to what it's supposed to look like. And yet so much of the church's love has grown cold. It's not like Mary Magdalena's. It's not like our Lord's, and we need to love better, I believe. And it's a growing process. It's a learning process, no doubt. But I pray that we're all convicted and convinced that we need to love more. And God blesses that. He blessed Mary Magdalene out of all people. She had the privilege that he can bring us from something so unloving, so distorted, so wicked, so evil, He's the God of the fatherless, the God of the widow. Psalm 27, verse 10, it says, When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. My real father left me when I was a kid, when I was a, not a kid, but a baby from birth, so I didn't know him. I did meet him a couple times. He did well financially, but I think he owed like a hundred and almost $200,000 because he did so well. So he got a hold of me for the first time. I go and see him. You know, I'm not, I'm, I was a... A thug and a sinner, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't going to hold him accountable for anything. I was fine. I'm a, I was a sinner in my own right when I met him. We signed off that child support so that he didn't have to pay it. He stopped calling, never called again. His wife said to me, you have your own family, leave to my face. Not knowing that I came from hell and I didn't have a family. And he didn't defend me in front of her. I don't want your pity. And I don't pity myself. I just want you to know how far Jesus has brought me. I got a call from that, from his wife when he died. And she was apologetic because she saw our website and saw part of my testimony and didn't know that I came from a hellish upbringing and didn't have a family. So she apologized to me. And I said, no problem. It's all good. She says, can you come to the funeral? I said, sure. She said, can you do the funeral? And I did. I lived a crazy life. I don't even know how to tell you. It's... And when it comes to my testimony, I used to be more open about it. But we have our little ones that I am very concerned about now. And when they're, they're a little older, I'll share more. I get to minister to people. And it is such a privilege. I don't know why he would choose me to minister to people with all kinds of pains and hurts. And I'm fine. 
Jesus is my therapy. Like I said, I don't need therapy and I don't need um, pity. I'm so complete in Christ. And, and I do pray for my family that they'd come to know Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I have no beef. They don't know. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Who am I to? But I just want you to know what God does if you don't know what God does. Look at what he does. Look at me here now. Maybe that's why I don't care what people think of me. Pastor Ken Graves out in Maine. He's a blessing to me, a friend of mine. I've been to his home before. He mentioned how people would tell him, Pastor Ken, just pray about it. Just, just pray. And he would say, no, 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 no. You just pray. I have to preach. There are too many people who do nothing but pray and do, don't do anything because it's too risky. No, God has called me to pray and to preach and I will preach it from the rooftop because he saved me from the hell of my childhood. He saved me from my sins. He's given me a family that loves me and cherishes me. I love that. Gave me a spiritual mom who's in heaven. Ask me about my mom, I'll tell you she's in heaven. The one here I'm praying for. We are privileged in so many ways. Who would have thunk Mary Magdalene's the first one? After Mary Magdalene, Jesus appeared uh, for a second time to the other women, according to Matthew 28. And then according to 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus appeared to Peter. And this was his third appearance. He appeared to Peter. Do you know that? It's not in the Gospels, but it's in 1 Corinthians. Paul says that he appeared to Cephas. And most scholars believe that he, that was his third appearance. So it was Mary Magdalene, then the other sisters, right? Because women love were there with him. And then Peter, the one who denied him. The Lord appeared to him. Now, back to our text. His fourth appearance. Now behold, two men, two of them, I'm sorry, were, or now behold, two of them, speaking of disciples, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of con uh, conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? The road to Emmaus, as we just read, is seven miles, or Emmaus, the village is seven miles from Jerusalem, northwest of Jerusalem. The road there is beautiful countryside, rolling hills, green, and there's also a forest that you need to go through. I was blessed to, to go there and to, with Pastor Chuck, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in 2001 and see this beautiful place. But you can imagine these guys, their eyes were restrained when Jesus appeared to them. I believe their hopelessness had something to do with it. I believe that hopelessness restrains us from seeing God's truth. Two hopeless people cannot inspire hope. If we only seek advice from those who are hopeless as our, who are as hopeless as ourselves, how can that help us? We are who we hang with. There are many out there that are hopeless. Believers in Christ who are hopeless, who seek out advice from other 
hopeless Christians as themselves. We need to go where there's hope. We need to go to the house of the Lord and hear the preaching, the teaching of this book. We need to be around those who inspire faith, who inspire hope, who inspire love. Faith is a verb. It isn't only talk. Then one of, the, one of whose names was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And so they said, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And the Lord said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. These two guys on the road to Emmaus, they spoke to Jesus about Jesus. They spoke to Jesus about Jesus. But they spoke of their hope as in, in a past tense sense. We had hoped he would deliver Israel. We had hoped, but their hope had died at the cross. And they're speaking of their hope as past tense. Because to them, Jesus had died. The Jews had the scriptures concerning the Messiah. They had them. They had the scriptures that spoke of the good about the Messiah, that he would reign on the throne of David, that he would just reign gloriously. And they meditated on those verses and they embraced those verses and they took those verses literally. But the, the verses that spoke of, a, of the Messiah's suffering, the Jews would spiritualize them and not take them literally. But in Psalm 22, verse 7, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. It speaks about the Lord's suffering. The Messiah came to suffer for the sins of us all. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. Psalm 22, 14, 16, it says, I am poured out like, a, like water and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, they had the verses of both the glorious and the suffering of the Messiah. They ignored the suffering. Isn't that applicable to the church today? Everyone seeking safety, everyone seeking self-preservation. And our Messiah came to suffer for our sins. Should we not be willing 
to suffer for him. In Caesarea Philippi, Jesus had asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some said, some say that you are Elijah. But he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter told them, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. When the disciples had acknowledged that he is the Messiah, he asked them straight out and they said, you are the Christ. That means the Messiah. He began to tell them from that point on that they must go to Jerusalem and that he is going to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised again. He told them it would happen. And you know what Peter did. Peter rebuked them. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and say, far, it, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he said to Peter, get behind me, saying, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's a heavy word. Are we just mindful of a Christianity that is all fluffy and pretty world and just, you know, without any problems, without any trials, without any self-sacrifice, without any servanthood, was just, just a Christianity that it just lets me live my life without any bother from God or anybody within the church, just let me do my own thing. That's what the world wants. That's what some Christians want. But true Christianity is the giving of ourselves for our Savior who gave himself for us. Jesus said in Luke 17, 33, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. For what profit is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with the angels, and listen to this, and then he will reward each according to his works. Man, I ain't saved by works. I'm saved by faith, by grace. But I do works to prove my faith. My faith is proven by my works. I'm here to exhibit the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. And he said to these two men, Ought not the Christ to, suffer, to, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Ought not we who follow our Lord face persecution? Jesus said, If they hated me, they will hate you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they hated me, they will hate you. But there's so many Christians running from any form of uncomfortability. And I just don't feel comfortable right now. What do you mean you just don't feel comfortable right now? Right? I'm, I'm, I'm preaching. You guys know this, right? Anybody, someone give me an amen. I think I'm like a nut up here. Does someone agree with me? Everyone's saying that. I just don't feel comfortable right now. Ought not the Christ to suffer? Ought not we to suffer? Are we mindful of the things of, this, of man and not of heaven? Have we forgotten that we're called to, to suffer? To suffer. Shame. Division. Separation. Jesus said, they, look, they, a prophet is not without honor except amongst his friends and family. In his hometown, they try to throw Jesus off the cliff in Nazareth. And, and so many are just, I'm not comfortable with it. All right, stay not comfortable with it. My Bible says that 
in this world, I'm going to face uncomfortability, but be of good cheer. He has overcome the world and my uncomfortability. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. He broke the bread they recognized. Some believe that when he broke the bread, they saw his scars and their eyes were open. And I do believe we have to see his scars. And those scars are never going to go away. They're always going to be there. They will always be there to show us how much he loves us. But I do think people during the death and resurrection of our Lord that it's time for us to see his wounds, to remember who he is, to have our eyes open, that it's not Christianity isn't going to be all roses and smelling good. It's, it's, it's a ride. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So the disciples say to the two guys, The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. So there's the proof that Peter had seen him. And then they told them about the things that had happened to them on the road and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. They said, did our hearts not burn when we walked with them, when we talked with them, and, that, and when he opened the scriptures to us? When did the two men's hearts burn? When the Lord opened up the scriptures to them. We need, a, we need churches and pastors to open up the scriptures to the people. It is the word of God that causes our hearts to burn rightly for him. It causes our hearts to be pierced and to be touched. And not always do we like what we hear, amen? Not always, I'm with you. I take a bite of this sandwich before I give you a bite of it. And I get it, it hurts. It's like, it's, it's convincing, it convicts me of my sin. It shows me how far I am and how I need a Savior to help me. It's the Word of God that burned in their hearts. And we need to promote the Word of God. Don't let anybody tell you that you need a church with smoke machines, fancy lights, backdrops with things turning like that, bubbles. And, and you know, worship with, you know, I'm not condemning those churches. But I just want to remind you, none of us need that stuff. Jesus didn't have any smoke machines. It's just a plain church teaches the word, hopefully with power and the Holy Spirit. Now, 
As they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. Shalom, he said. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Oh, doesn't that minister to you? Why are, your, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? This world, this world is full of doubts. Let it not be in the church. Get in the word. Faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. Read this book and you will have faith. Neglect this book and you will not have faith. Be in fellowship because the faith of others will pick you up when your faith is waning. Why are you troubled and why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. Why doubt? Look at the scars. Look what I did for you. I bled out for you. Why doubt? God wants to give us the kingdom. God is good. You can trust him. Look at my hands and my feet. This is our Lord saying, look, look, this is the proof. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled in this world. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. Handle me and see, for spirit does not have flesh and bones. You see I have. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chairman.